Thanks for joining us for our conversation this week. I'm Amy Tokas. Sandy Lane and I are discussing foresight and the drivers of change in this podcast. What will our world be like in 2050? Sandy and I discuss the top 10 drivers of change and do a little looking back and some looking forward. It's an exercise that helps us strategize for the possible future. Always keeping it real. Thanks for listening to Your Real, Your Ideal. Enjoy the conversation. Hello, Sandy. Good morning, Amy. How are you? You know what? I, it's always good when it's a podcast day. How about that? I know. That's exactly how I kind of feel. It's like, it, it makes me, I, I don't know about you, but I do like a little bit of research when we first talk about the subject and then I come back around after I've soaked it in and washed my memory. And it's kind of like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. And I think it's uh, like last week we talked about inspiration. I've been thinking about that a lot this week about setting aside time and inspiration. Then I'm thinking about the next conversation and today with it being foresight, um, inspiration comes pretty easy to me. Foresight is not my natural gear problem solver, but not futuristic. So it was, you know, it, it's some good thinking time in between podcast tapings back, yes. in, back in the front. So did you, have you ever, um, looked into foresight before? Not that term in okay. the Gallup world. There is one of the strengths is called futuristic. And it reminds me a lot of futuristic and it's yes. smack in the middle for me. It's not way at the bottom of my list of 34. It's in the middle, but in coaching people with futuristic, I, I would tell you, I have a little bit of, um, strength envy on that one, because I always, I find myself fascinated with people who are highly futuristic. So reading about foresight and leadership and, um, trending and impact, I, I found it very fascinating and it was, it was new to me. How about you? Is it something you're familiar with? You know, I am familiar with it just because um, with my work with NAPO, Mm -hmm. we have a person who is a foresight expert. And so for probably the last five years, I've been exposed to her and her conversations around the drivers of change. And um, so so I have had a little bit of exposure, not a lot, but enough to know what it is and to be a little, um, and like be aware of it. How about that? (laughs) Are there credentials for this? And do people actually employ foresight people on staff? Are there similar to analysts, but foresight? There are credentials for this. And there is, uh, there are people who are like the person I know she's acting as a consultant and she's doing foresight with companies and stuff like that. Um, and for, to explain foresight a little bit, like a, a lot of us look five, 10 years, foresight is more about looking to 20. So that's where people who are focused on foresight, the site, that's the number that I see over and over. What's it going to look like in 2050? And then it takes these drivers of change. And it's like, all right, here's what we know about this driver of change. And it asks the question, what could this look like in 
30 years? What could this look like in 50 years? And you said the key number is what? Is it 30 years? So all of the articles and everything I've seen, it says 2050. 2050, got it. Okay. So that's 30 years now or less, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when that year was posted. If that was from, I'm just going to tell you years to me are so funny because somebody just the other day said, you know, I'm having a hard time realizing that 30 years ago wasn't 1970. <laughs> it's like, right. So true. Right. <laughs> I had something pop up uh, in my time hop. And that's why it's my reminder when they're like, that was 28 years ago or 30 years ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, really? It's been that long. I'll tell you, Amy, I'm the queen of looking back and saying, oh my gosh, whoever would have thought, like I, I'm constantly looking back and saying, if I would have imagined my life 30 years from now, would I have right. ever have mapped it out like this? And I, I, I look at that in awe. And Maybe that's why I tend to live a lot more in the moment. Um, I'll, I'll plan ahead. I'll look for pitfalls and problem solving. But things to me like, how did Steve Jobs say, let's just make this everybody's computer and then act on it? You know, that, 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 those things are just mind blowing to me that those brains have the foresight to say, wow, we got all this stuff. Why don't we just put it here? And then would I be the person that instead of saying, oh, wow, that's great. Why would I be a why notter? Well, you know, this is why you can't, you know, telling them why not, why it isn't going to work and how those foresight people that have the great revelations need the people to say, well, why not? Why can't we do that rather than the opposite? It can't be done. So foresight is a very vague I'll just tell you that, like what you're doing is actually doing a lot of foresight because you're thinking about it. You're coming up with the pitfalls and opportunities and that's foresight. But a lot of times we're, we're doing that for the things that are pretty immediate, not, um, you know, 30, 50 years down the road. And so some of the drivers of change kind of spur us into thinking, okay, if we look back 20 years, and we look where we are now, what's it going to look like in 30 years? So the drivers of change are things like climate, poverty. So they're big stuff. They're not little things, technology, um, energy, water. Water is a huge thing. I'm in Las Vegas right now and water's huge. And they're, so they're looking, you know, what does this look like? We know what it looks like right now. But what's it look like in 30 years? It's going to be dire in 30 years if we're not doing something now. And so they're actually making really big changes here in Las Vegas to uh, conserve water. And conserving water, what their biggest water waster is actually landscaping. Really? Yes. That And so they're trying, they're like going to get rid of all the grass and the medians. Like they're making changes now because they can see they're thinking 30 years ahead. This is not, we're not trending well. Is foresight always based off of data and trending? Cause there's two different things. There's the big ideas and the foresight because certain things you can't trend. I don't think you can trend is how human nature, because an example I'd give would be COVID. 
you know, making yeah. all these predictions that, you know what, my foresight says it's never going to be the same. We're never going to shake hands again. My parents right. are never going to leave the house. And guess what? That didn't happen. And right. other things did, right? Some yeah, right. stayed in place and other things did. So is it all data and analytics? You know, I know it's vague, but when you define foresight or as your foresight expert, I love it that there's an expert. Yeah. Is it all data or is there some anecdotal? There's, it's data is the foundation. And then the vagueness is looking to the future because you can't really predict the future. But what you can do is look at the data on these drivers of change and you can see where, what the data is and say, all right, so if this continues or if it escalates or if it dwindles, whatever, um, then what what would that look like in 30, 50 years? So another driver of change is, you know, water was a great example, but technology, you know what, if we look back 30 years, mm -hmm. would we have predicted where we are with technology right now? I wouldn't have, but I didn't know technology, but like Steve Jobs 30 years ago may have had this vision of where we are because he had a little bit more data than I did, <laughs> I do obviously, you know, and he could have seen opportunities, all the opportunities ahead. And high in the futuristic, you know, the vision, you know, right. leading with the vision and then, you know, knowing the data, leading with the vision. And I think that's the part that really I find fascinating. I, um, interesting in some of the articles uh, about this that, that, we've read that you found through your research and talking about the trending and then how different generations respond to uh, foresight. I want to say forecasting me and my financial world. Um, same thing, just all numbers. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of psychology too on who wants to really look at the foresight because sometimes it changes my behaviors today and the older you get, the least time you have and the less time you really care about the foresight, right? I, right. So yeah. a friend sent a text this morning and said, hey, you know, it was to a few of us, my daughter is doing um, a survey. She put it on Facebook. Would you answer her survey for her? It's five minutes. She needs it for a class. Well, it was about climate. And I thought it was interesting that we we're having this comment today. It was yeah. a pretty quick survey, but it reminded me generationally, you know, it was about climate and I answered about how I thought it was a big problem and blah, blah. But then it gets to the answer. And what are you doing about it on a daily basis? And interesting, you know, trying to walk more. I mean, there's some simple things, but I think I would have done more and been more vocal at a younger age, I still am. But then I, I started thinking about that generationally about who's doing what, who's reacting with more fear or with more passion and how things that are part of foresight changes diminish psychologically as your years, year span lessons, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I completely agree. Other than people that are really impassioned by legacy, and otherwise, but I tend to, don't we tend to find back with the trending that we've always done it this way, not thinking outside the box, it gets worse as you get older. And there's a lot of things that impact that, but age does 
make a difference in being um, open to how the world can change. Yes. You know, my mom just quoted me the other, not quoted me, but she's shared a quote. She said, you know, they say as you middle ages, when you're your narrow waist and broad mind switch places. So you become narrow-minded. Like and broad it. <laughs> okay. and I was like, you're going to have to send me that one. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put that on one of our Instagram page. I like it. I know, but it's, I think it's a little bit of experience and it's a little bit of, you know, I remember being young and being fired up about recycling and now I've been recycling for, you know, 20 years or whatever it is. And it's, it's just part of life. And I hope it's making a difference, but we don't really like giving us statistics of the difference. At least I haven't seen publicized, like the difference from 20 years ago versus now of the recycling, you know what I mean? Like and back to data, that's what I actually yeah. know a lot of data about, which I won't share because it's not about a, but, but what I find is in big picture is what I, I know because I know people in the industry and have worked on it. Um, it all dep- depends on supply and demand. So actually quite a bit of recycling ends up in the landfill, uh, be- but they don't want to break people's habits. So if China's not buying recycling, they don't want to break people's habits. So what I love is back to doing something that makes a difference. Do you really want to stymie everyone and say, oh, it's like watching the stock market. Everything's going to the landfill right now, or a hundred percent is going into the new straws. And so to keep the psychology going and the habit of putting things in the recycle bin, you're not going to stop it and stop people from recycling when there isn't a demand to buy the product. Right. Because it's not financially feasible to pay for that. But again, the example is great because everything has a different impact at every time, just like climate change. So maybe I'm doing something different today that doesn't, if you follow the dollar, didn't make that much of an impact. But if I consistently keep that habit, it will have a long-term positive impact. Exactly. And I think about a lot of people at looking at foresight, I'm sure in 2019, what they were thinking is completely different now because, oh my gosh, we've had a pandemic and I'm sure that's changed things. You think about, um, the other things that this globalization affects, um, the, the Russia, Ukraine war right now. And I just read like 5 million refugees are, are, um, now in existence from Ukraine and, you know, they're coming into cities all over Europe and how is that going to change the infrastructure and the, the cultures of those cities, you know, just things like that. Like you think about cities in America, when the countries, when people came and the little Italy's and the Greek towns and the Chinatowns and how that changed the demographics of the cities and how the cities feel, you know, well, how's that going to look? What's going to happen in the future to make different things like that happen? It's just all, it's very interesting to me to think about it. But you know and what? I, 
Oh, go ahead, Amy. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say Las Vegas is a funny example because every time I'm here, everybody's from somewhere else. That's always fascinating to me how they're creating communities here, but nobody's from here. At least nobody in this area. It's just interesting. So what I find fascinating is the flip side. And this isn't about things like infrastructure, technology, climate, circumstances change, right? Innovation right. happens. Think, but I've been fascinated with the fact that people at their core have not changed. So the example I'll give is, you know, I'm a huge reader and I've been on a, I, I go back to the classics and I have to look and remind myself, this isn't historical fiction. This isn't somebody today writing about the early 1800s. This is somebody in the 1800s writing about the 1800s. And you could just change a couple of the circumstances and the clothes have changed. The society has changed. Everything around them has changed. But I'm like, oh my gosh, she has captured the core of what I see in my daily life here in 2022, Willa Cather. I just got done reading a Willa Cather book and farming. You know, she did a lot about pioneers and way better technology, so much innovation, but the core of farming, as far as how the farmers looked at it and the pioneers is exactly the same today in that I hear from my relatives that are in the business. The people are the same, mm -hmm. but the circumstances change. The core of who we are, you know, we have to look at yeah. things differently, but behavior, the behavior is moved by what goes around, but the core of what motivates people, right. Of right. wanting to be loved, wanting to feel secure, wanting to have relationships. Those cores are all the same. It's how we respond to the circumstances and the foresight, you know, the, the smoking, it was a good example. They talked about how everybody smoked and how that foresight has changed that behavior. Right. Because they looked at it in 50 um, years. This is going to, it's just going to be exponential if we don't start thinking, you know, it's going to stress the health system, everything. So that's exactly, that's the use of foresight. And I love your observation of the core, our core values and what people want from life hasn't changed. We all want the same thing or similar things, you similar know, things, right. The basic, yeah, no, yeah. The core needs. Exactly. I don't want to say everybody's the same, but it's just the things around us have changed the settings. Right. And I think for foresight, I almost said forecasting too. <laughs> foresight. I'm picking up your five-year forecast. <laughs> See, not, not, not 20 or 50. Five. Right, right, right. But I do think foresight is a how things are changing externally around us. I think that's a lot of the, most of the drivers of change. Almost every single single thing I wrote had to do with our surroundings. You know, the environment air quality, demographics. Now demographics was one that was a little different, but it is our environment and it was demographics as far as ages. Mm -hmm. So um, you think about, well, I've been hanging out with my mom. So she always gives me good information. She just told me that she read an article that the millennial generation now outnumbers the boomers. Wow. Which that I don't know. 
that's going to change how things now, because I don't know about you, but I know growing up, it's always been the boomers, this, this whole big generation, you know, going through life and what's happening and how they change and get to a certain ages. Now it's going to be the millennials and where they're at. And I voice, when I read a lot of these articles, it made me think too about the millennials and the next generation having the foresight and, and driving different things that they see as problems, you know, and now looking back, you know, part of looking at analytics, you know, the prison system, it is unbelievable. You know, the United States, they did things that they thought were really good at the time, or somebody did. And we have the highest uh, incarceration rate of any country in the world for uh, nonviolent crimes. And again, if that keeps extending out, somebody's got to run the numbers, which they're doing and trending and saying, this isn't going to work. Right. Um, healthcare. Healthcare. Healthcare from like five different angles. As Warren Buffett said, it's the tapeworm that's going to eat up the economy of the United States. So you can just say, if you had no foresight, you'd say, it just, maybe I'm not happy with it. It's not working, but you extrapolate out what that trend looks like based off of the data. And we're going to have, sicker people with huge amounts of money sunk into that um, system. Right, right. Perfect examples. Those are the drivers of change. So how do we, as normal people, you know, back to the question on her survey that took me aback a little bit to say, oh, look at, I'm so progressive. I'm going to answer a question. No. She's going to say, she's going to know this was Sandy Lane who answered this survey. She thinks like a millennial, but then she gets to the question what do you do about it? I'm like, oh, I just say I'm very well informed. So what do we do about it, Amy? If, if we, if the foresight and the analysts show trends that need action, What's the answer to that? I mean, well, one thing I said is, uh, again, to give the honor, if I see the opportunity to, if I see, maybe that's the key here, if I see the opportunity to push change through people who have the voice, the legislatures, the lawmakers, the, the I will do that, but maybe that's my problem as I wait until I see the opportunity, possibly, maybe I need to be more proactive in vocalizing to those who can change it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a great idea. I always think to uh, people like Steve Jobs. I mean, if we just talk about technology because it's a non-hot button issue, right. you know what I mean? Like, right. there's Not no, political, it's real. Yeah, it's it, so if we think back to Steve Jobs or to um, Bill Gates, you know, the, the originators of where we are today with technology. If average person had talked to Steve Jobs on the street and he had said, this is what I'm seeing in the future, most people would have said, really? That sounds crazy. Even like, I remember when they said, everybody's gonna have a computer in their home. That's what I see in the future. And you know, everybody was like, really? Why would we need a computer in our house? Like, what's the point of that? Right. So there are experts out there in all these drivers of change. 
And I think that's where we have to acknowledge we don't know, we don't have all the information, right? And there are the experts that do have more information. They probably don't have all, but they do have more. So I think it has to do with trusting them, listening, trusting, and then, um, I don't, you know, actually if we can, but like, there's, I, there's so, there's only so much one person can do. It is being open-minded and instead of having the knee-jerk reaction saying they can't do that, that can't be done. Maybe asking the question, well, why not? What would that world look like? Being open-minded to how these trends may play out and not being the, it can't happen person. Right. Yeah. And just being, yes, I think that's stated. just being open-minded to it and listening to experts Mm-hmm. And acknowledging that they probably have more information than you do. <laughs> I think that's the key because I would have never being a kid working on a computer at school thinking, what, what would this do in my house? Like, do you remember doing Fortran? I think that's what I did. What was it what when was I was like in eighth grade, I was learning a computer language. I can't remember what mine was called. I remember we built a lighthouse. Was that programming something? And I remember there being a computer and we took turns and we did something and, you know, we build a picture, a lighthouse, but I never did a ton in computers until I was out. Basically when I got into public accounting and needed to learn the different systems to, because we were just, I went into my professional career when floppy disks were a big thing. We were, it was the conversion (laughs) from floppy disks to the little hard disc, but yep. you, I mean, you'd have stacks and stacks cause you'd save and you'd have to mark. Um, yeah. but, but you know, that's where it started. And I, I can't even imagine, I, I couldn't, the internet for me was a hard thing. For, I couldn't grasp my brain around what, how this was happening. Like that was just, I could understand the floppy disk and the computer and this and that. And, uh, but I remember the internet and even email was just such a, uh, you know, out of this world concept of right right and how it could grow and who would have known today yeah and what's the purpose like I remember hearing about the internet and it's like okay what's the purpose of that like you know I don't understand and then now look at us (laughs) we're on it all the time so I think it's just you can ask the questions but know that the stuff can change the world and maybe we won't, we don't understand everything, but we understand how it impacts our lives and that it's, it, it's, uh, we're not all experts in everything either. Right. Right. Yeah. When different things, you know, people talk about this or that, or the black internet. I'm like, oh, my techie brain is more on, I love to understand how a program works, you know, but like the really deep side of how everything's interconnected that my husband's really good at and all the integration points. Um, I know enough to be dangerous, but we don't all have to be experts in everything either to be good at foresight because that's when we depend on the people who are looking at the data that have the lifelong experience to help provide that to us. Right, and taking the data and extrapolating it and saying exponentially, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is an interesting idea. 
And knowing that information, opinions are different than knowledge, right? Because I think that's key because we get, we hear things and then we form opinions and opinions aren't facts. They're just how we're thinking about things. Is that worse now, Amy, or is this back to, if I go 200 years from now, it was the same thing, but different circumstances. Cause I feel like I'll, I'll, I, I, I tend to ask people, um, They'll tell me something. I'll say, where did you, you know, where did you get that information? And it's pretty quick. You can figure out which ones had heard. They're repeating what they heard versus people that have either, you know, read an article, talked to somebody that was close to the situation. And then my gut reaction is that's because we do have the internet and everything is on all the time. We have all these, I mean, my, my watch will send me a feed, which I'm sure I can turn off that tells me a quick headline that I won't read, but it will stay in my head on something that happened that I have nothing other than my watch shooting me a headline, right? right. And I'll probably repeat to Garrett. So <laughs> is it worse or is it just different circumstances? You know, is it, my grandpa heard the same thing at the, did, he didn't have the internet, but he heard it at the coffee shop. Right, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> And it's good to challenge ourselves to say, where did the information come from? Right. But to your point, here's a little, an opportunity to think about for is you think of the access to information 30 years ago and how it was different because you were hearing it straight from a person, typically a letter or, you know, and then now we have access to all of this. I mean, you think about hundred years ago when they didn't have news, they just had the newspaper. They didn't have like TV video and things like that. So what's this going to look like in a hundred years when we're inundated with so much information, you know, we think 50 years forward, what's all that information going to look like then? Like, how are people going to be absorbing that? It was fascinating know. to me, the Willa Kaffa Cather book I just finished, um, one of ours. It was very, very good. It isn't a name that comes up. She actually won a Pulitzer for it of her top titles, but um, it was World War One was the setting. And back to getting news, the setting was they, they a group of these young boys, these young men were stationed overseas in Europe, and they were waiting for letters from home because that was their only way basically the letters would, would repeat the news that they were reading at home. And that's how they were getting updates on the war on what was going on was from the letters that would repeat or tell them what they were reading in the paper. I mean, right. and I thought, my gosh, you know, right. so they didn't have their phone that they were constantly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine the day waiting for the letters to come to get the secondhand news that was coming from the newspapers? Right. Because they were getting no information. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example. And you think about Paul Revere running around the British are coming, you know, right. I don't know how true that story is, but anyway, it's just like, that's, that was how they spread the news. Urgent. Anyway, interesting. This is a great conversation. It's always um, interesting to dig into what these drivers of change are and to be thinking about with what does that look like in the future? And it's fun to explore. Um, I'm putting links in the show notes. So anybody who wants can kind of dig in and, and uh, explore foresight. 
And I think, you know, my big takeaway is as I get older and as I get more into my routine is to continue to be open-minded to those uh, foresight comments for the big picture items and not just live in my little, in my little calm space, right? That <laughs> I think even if they feel like they don't impact me as much every day to be open-minded and keep on top of those trends. Well, and just be aware that some things are going to be more important to different people, you know, like I think about climate change and the people on the coast who are, their cities are actually doing infrastructure things to protect them. Right. So to us in the Midwest, you know, water's not an issue. So Anyway, and what's important to other people, point. we just have to honor what's important to other people and we can still stay in our calm place if we need to <laughs> do what we need to do. So one final comment, and it's just to be, this is funny. I'm doing a uh, project where I'm tr- uh, transitioning 88 millimeter film, which was almost all taken in the 1960s to digital. Uh Oh my gosh, you know, back to changing times, you know, my grandpa with the cigarette hanging out of his mouth, you know, with with me, the two-year-old, the cigarettes an inch from my face and just the, you know, no seatbelts. It's just, just so interesting when you see it, not just in a picture, but like how people are acting, how the trends and the foresight of what was in 1960 versus today, who knew? Right. You know, I'm just going to give another example. I think about going to car shows and when I worked at General Motors, mm-hmm. their visions for the future cars, I remember thinking, wow, that is so out there. And then I look around today and I was like, wow, that's what some of those cars look like. And here we are. It really was. There's no way. Yeah. It's like we're, the, the, propaganda, propaganda. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the conversation, Sandy. I'll talk. All right. Bye, Amy. See you next week. Bye.